You're listening to Two Girls, One Crossword. We're finally back, y'all. Sorry for the Hello. extended break. I I know. It's been a very long break. For which we, apo- like, uh, we do apologize for, but we appreciate your patience. We really do. Right. We were both out of town, so we planned that. We were out of town on different weekends, but then um, Chelsea's dog had some health issues. So basically, if you get a pet, just know that they one day will take over your life with their health issues at some point. And your bank account. It's fine. <laughs> right. But um, he's doing well now. He is, and it's it was totally no- fine. It ended up being nothing serious, but it involved lots of emergency vet visits and a surgery. And you know, <laughs> it's all good. But it, you know, throws a wrench into your life and um, your sleep schedule, and right? And just about anything else, it's fine. But well, we, yeah, we we really uh, we hope that you've been waiting with bated breath because. We're here. We're recording bright and early, as we usually do. Um, Even brighter and earlier, actually. We're recording at the, well, not the crack of dawn, but at 7, on a Saturday. On a Saturday. <laughs> Can you believe it? Yeah. This is this is how busy our, life, our lives are. We can't even have any peace. Because of our dog Saturday. and cat. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yes, here we are recording our newest episode for two girls one crossword i'm grace topenko i'm chelsea rowan this is your favorite weekly podword crosscast we're back we're back regularly regularly scheduled programming apparently and yes well not that regularly scheduled because it just dawned on me that i never did a pull of palooza in our <laughs> long break uh it's hard when it's like off the normal schedule everyone i'm sorry maybe next week i'll do two polls um we'll see yeah we'll see i know don't get your hopes up, but if you don't get your hopes up and then she does do two polls, you're going to be like, love in life. Right. I mean, can you remember what our topics were last week? At this time of the morning? <laughs> right? Are Sometimes you kidding Sometimes it's so me? hard. Or it's like the next day. Or even we do the topic on, we record on Friday. I post a poll on Wednesday. I'm like, what were our topics again? I have to look it up. That's how. I know. It's bad. I mean, why is that? Why is our memory so This is like so our bad? 160th something episodes. I have so many in my topic folder in my brain. I mean, it's overflowing. No, I know. I'm like SpongeBob looking through the files like, what did I talk about last week? Exactly. Was it flea circus? No. <laughs> <laughs> Indoor malls? No, I know. No. I know. What? But I sometimes I remember a random tidbit from the topic, but I just don't remember like when I did what Sh- topic. Should I read the episode description? Yeah. All right, do you I'm have it readily available? Hold on, I'm pulling it up. Well, just read the title. I wonder if I can get it from just the title. Okay. The struggling artist type. Mm, was it about fonts or typefaces? And... Yes. Oh. Something about Paris. Always. It has to do with was... artists. Struggling artists. Right. Do you want me to read the description? Yeah. Chelsea and Grace teach each other about the origins of one of society's fringe groups and the art of lettering. Throw on a beanie and set yourself to bold. Right. Bohemian. Bohemians, yes. All right, all right. (laughs) Well, there you have it, everyone. Um... Even we struggle with the titles and the description. So if you're ever reading our titles or descriptions and you're like, what in the goddamn hell are these two girls talking about? 
we likely also don't know. Um, so, yeah. It's good to keep things, you know. Fresh. Yeah. Well, it's like a, it's a, that's like an extra puzzle that you have to figure out. It's a bonus free puzzle for anyone to use. Wow. Um, and if you're watching on yeah. YouTube, you'll get to see me yawn every three seconds. So <laughs> am I going to put this video on YouTube? We'll see. Just it'll um, do me dirty. Shall we get to our heights and shites? Yes. Let's, let's move into the hits and the shits, folks. I only did three New Yorker puzzles this week. Full disclosure, everyone. That's all. That's all I could give you this week. That's all she could give you. I did two New Yorker and a New York Times, so there you do go. with that what you will. Do you want to start us off? Sure. Um, I did the Tuesday, July 18th New Yorker by Anna Schechtman. I did that one, too, so here we go. <laughs> all right. I liked the opening. One across the outsider's role played by Rob Lowe was Soda Pop. And I just... Did you did you watch the... Out, or read the Outsiders in school and then you watch the movie? Yes. And but I only knew like Tom Hanks, I think, is if the he, guy who's in it. Like I, I didn't know Rob Lowe at the time, but I forgot that he was in that. Or I, I, I didn't realize he was in it. So that's fun. I had no idea that he was in it. It's been literally since high school, since I've read or watched or interacted with that film. Right. Pony boy. Pony boy. Um, okay. 17 across. Astronomically bad question mark. And the answer was one star. I loved that. Thought that was mm-hmm. so witty. Mm-hmm. 47 across, whine about generational decline. Kids these days. I love that one. Um, 10 down, seated position, question mark. Desk job. Desk job. 15 down, use a divining rod. Dows. Dows, which you did a topic on. I did. We should go dowsing. <laughs> I don't think I have, like, the psychic ability or whatever. But also, like, takes. all you do is find water. No offense to anybody who dowses, but, like. I don't know. I guess we don't really need... We don't need to do that. We're not digging right, a well. If I want a magic power, it's not going to be to find water. It'll be to find, like, <laughs> gold or something. I don't know. You should be, like, the gold dowser. <laughs> Can you even find gold anymore? Like, this might be the stupidest question <laughs> in the world. But is there even... <laughs> You mean mines are people panhandling? Um, <laughs> is there a gold rush? Like, if there's a gold rush, it's not happening in Illinois where we live. So, right. Well, I'm not looking. So, I'm not either. I do know that you can like pay to go to like a site where they give you like a fucking tray, and you go and in they the put oh, stuff in the river though. I think. Yeah, and then for you, you to find. Right. Well. I mean, but are they really just putting gold in the river for us to find? No. It's probably not real. No, it's fool's gold. Fool's gold. You've obviously never been to North Dakota. I haven't. <laughs> I feel like they have weird stuff like that there. But I'm, I may be misremembering. That was like a second grade If you're from North my life. Dakota and we're talking shit, let us know. I really, like when I was younger, I was convinced I would move to North Dakota. Or South Dakota. It is. It's really beautiful there. Yeah, we went. That was like my our first big family trip was to go there. And there's like that's so interesting. Know, all this, like, Why? There's a lot of stuff there in history. Oh, there's the Badlands National Park. Badlands. Hello. Okay. There's okay, prairie I'll give you dogs. That. Of course. We went through. We walked through a field with prairie dogs. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Right. I okay. did. I thought that there's was something. Of- I thought prairie dogs were in Africa. That is like how stupid I am. We have I'm pre- I mean, I could be I could be mixing that up with another vacation, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened in North Dakota. It was amazing. But yeah, I definitely thought I was going to live there. So very cool. Well, I'm sorry that you we'll don't go back. It's OK. Is that all you had? 
from that puzzle. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I have one more from that puzzle. I just thought this was an interesting tidbit of information. Nine down. Collapsible headwear. And the answer was opera hat. And I was like, what is an opera hat? So I looked it up, and an opera hat is basically just a top hat. Like, what you imagine, like, a really nice top hat would be if you're wearing, like, a tuxedo or something. Mm -hmm. But this is from Wikipedia. An opera hat, also called a chapeau clock or a gibbous, gibbous, depending on your pronunciation of the G there, uh, is a top hat variant that is collapsible through a spring system. There's a spring system on the inside. Um, originally intended for less spacious venues, such as the theater and the opera Well, house. yeah, I mean, imagine you're sitting behind someone wearing a top hat in the theater. That's, like, so rude. Right. It's like, collapse your freaking top hat right now. <laughs> I can't see the stage. Well, I'm thinking, like, do these idiots have to take their hats off? Are they just sad that they have to hold a top hat in their lap? Like, but it, right. it literally mm-hmm. looks like, like something from Dr. Seuss, like... <laughs> And I feel like it would look kind of weird to wear it collapsed. It would. It's like if you. Yeah, it's like a tiny top hat. <laughs> um, and if you're a tall guy, it just doesn't matter. Sometimes you don't want to take the hat off, though. It's like part of the outfit. You have a bad it's hair true. day. It's true. It's true. The hat is part. The accessory is the outfit sometimes. So. It's the outfit. I get it. Um, but fun that's fact. amazing. Fun facts. Um, I will talk about the Friday, July 14th New Yorker by Andy Kravis. Uh, this is funny because the theme, the title, well, the, it started off by saying a Freudian puzzle, today's theme, sometimes dot, 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 um, which is funny because I, I didn't do a topic on Freud. I did a topic on Oedipus, who makes an appearance in this puzzle. Episode 73, which is called Unauthorized Boners. I talk about Oedipus. Yeah. Grace yeah. talks about LSD and dolphins. It's a crazy episode. Give it a listen. But um, this theme has to do with Freud. So some of the themed answers. Um, I thought this was interesting because there was like specific answers that were like something, something, something to a Freudian. And it's like, oh, this is definitely part of the theme. But there's a lot of like what I felt Freudian vibes in the puzzle overall. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So um, I'm just going to go through a couple of these themed answers and the vibey Freudian clues. So, 18 across, Oedipus and castration to a Freudian. And the answer was complexes. Okay. Mm. Um, then we had 54 across, word after reality or pleasure to a Freudian. And the answer was principle. Then we had 38 is it down? I think it was 38 down. Moral component of one's personality to a Freudian. And the answer was super ego. And there's another one, but, you know, kind of like a straightforward theme. But in the center of the puzzle, there was a clue that you could fill in with two words, one of two words, um, but it would swap, you could like, the downs and the acrosses worked with either of the word. And this is that clue. Cigar to a Freudian, and you could have put in the word cigar or penis, and yeah, and the down answers would change. Oh my gosh, amazing, That's amazing! But there's a couple other clues from this puzzle that made me think, like, oh, this is definitely a Freudian puzzle. For instance, thirty-four across, uh, Salo director Pierre Blank Pasolini, uh, and it's by Pierre Paolo Pasolini. And if you know anything about Salo, the hundred and something days of Sodom, which is a film. Mm-hmm. The vibes are Freudian. 
Uh, and then 46 down, Sylvia Plath's Daddy and W.H. Auden's In Memory of Sigmund Freud for two. And the answer was Poems. Freudian vibes. But then I think the most important clue from this puzzle had nothing to do with Freud. I mean, maybe it does. I don't know too much about Freud, but seven down, blank deck. And the answer was poop, poop deck. So thank you for that. Andy Kravis, amazing puzzle. <laughs> amazing. We love to see it. We do. What else you got? I did the Wednesday, July 19th New Yorker by Amy Lucido. Mm. Of course, Amy, lots of great clues here um let's see i liked 15 across source of illumination for tiktoker ring light ring light um 21 across it was hail blank and then parentheses cry taxi and it was hail a cab but since it's written together it was like hail a cab so i don't know if that was on purpose but that was amazing you literally love to see it um 35 across in quotes oh yeah still think i'm a joke and then it, this is like takes across the full 15 mm -hmm. with center of the puzzle. How you like me now. <laughs> nice. Um, 59 across. Comedy that's deliberately unfunny. Anti-humor. Hmm. I don't know if I would enjoy. I, I don't know. Like, what is a movie that is anti-humor? Yeah. Would I enjoy it? Or is that too much for me? Is that like watching The Lighthouse? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I haven't seen, but the joke lands anyway. So very good. Right. <laughs> um, 63 across. Men offering women their unsolicited opinions in Twitter lingo. And it's called Reply Guys. I didn't know that there was like a term. I'm not on Twitter enough. To I know. know that, but I love that's that. That's amazing. That, that's great. I'm also um, not on Twitter enough to know something like that. But the, the, the vibe, right. like, even just hearing Reply Guys, I immediately know the vibe of these yeah. people. It's like, I'm going to tweet something and I know I'm going to get a million reply guys under here. Yeah, like, exactly. Sharing their unsolicited opinion. Um, 38 down, save room for Jesus uh, in quotes. And it was keep it PG. That's hilarious. Speaking of, this is just an, an anecdote from my life. I have a little, you know, like they have those like little free libraries around the neighborhoods in Chicago. I walked past a couple on my walks with Tuna and I saw in one of the little free libraries a book. And every day I saw it for like the last three days, it's not there anymore. And I'm kind of like, who picked this up or did someone throw it away? But I, and this is me judge, literally judging a book by its cover, well, rather its title. It's some, the title was something like, um, I can't date Jesus, but it was a children's book. Interesting. And I'm like, what does that mean? I, I would have had to like, been like you know i need to pause and kind of read this right now and see what's going on i know i should I, I like i'm kicking myself for not because now it's not in the little free library anymore so someone either took it right. or threw it away or something and i'm like what is going on here with this title anyway interesting um okay my last one from that puzzle was 49 down fathers as a poodle might a golden doodle and the answer was sires that's cute yeah that's really cute and weird because golden doodles are a plague. You've talked about Sorry, golden doodles on one. this podcast before. Very briefly. Right. They're cute. I'm not saying that they're not cute. Right. Yeah. But I think, I mean, and I'm sure some are fine, but I've met, I feel like all the ones that I've met have been like 
kind of unhinged a little bit. All, I mean, there's yeah. nothing behind their, their eyes. I agree. There's really nothing behind most of these golden doodles eyes that I've met. Actually, I've only ever met unhinged ones, unfortunately. Right. I'm sorry. I feel bad if someone's like, I love my golden doodle. Yeah. yeah. I love I'm your sure golden you I'm sure that if I met your golden doodle, I would also love your golden doodle. But, you know. Who says a pet needs something behind their eyes? That's a good question. You know, my cat barely has, doesn't have much going on either. My dog has one thing behind his eyes. It's like man- Anxiety. mania for food. food. Yeah. Right. If he's looking at you, it's not because he loves you. It's because he wants you to feed him. And I like that's just the fact of the matter. And I've right. made peace with that. Um, I will talk about my last puzzle that I did. The Tuesday, July 18th, New York Times by Karen and Paul Steinberg. I believe these are David Steinberg's parents, which is fun. Um, the theme was fun. Uh, the revealer was 36 across, kind of wrestling, or a hint to four pairs of crossing answers in this puzzle. And the answer was Greco-Roman. So there are four crossing sections in this puzzle where a Greek god name crosses the Roman counterpart of that same god, which is fun. For instance, 18 and one down, trident wielding god of the sea. You have Poseidon crossing Neptune. And Neptune's the name of my dog, so I, of course I had to include this theme. Uh, 19 across and 8 down, Apollo's twin who rules over the hunt. It's is Artemis crossing Diana. And then 60 across and 52 down, harvest goddess with the dar- daughter darter of the underworld. <laughs> <laughs> Demeter crossing Circe. And then 65 across and 45 down, God celebrated with wine, feasts, and dancing. And you have Dionysus crossing, Dionysus, sorry, crossing Bacchus, which is fun. But something I noticed from this puzzle, and I don't know if this was intentional, mm. but I, I have a feeling that the Steinbergs do a lot of water craft activities, or they just like water things, or it's completely just coincidental. But I just felt like there were so many water-themed clues and answers in this puzzle like of course you have the poseidon neptune cluing which is part of a theme but water that's water and then we've got four across pal you might take fishing question mark and the answer is chum but you also have like a chum bucket that you can put down to like attract things and also spongebob um then you have 28 across bit of fishing gear net okay 35 across, stop to a sailor. Avast. This is crazy, right? We're not even halfway through this list yet. 47 across, form-fitting swimwear brand. Speedo. This one might be... I like to imagine that they like live on a sailboat or something and yeah, create crosswords. Exactly, right? That's the vibe I'm getting. Um, can If anybody knows the Steinbergs, can you like <laughs> give us like a... What is it? Like a not confirmation. a confirmation or like a lore update if this is true. Um, this is like a little bit of a stretch, but it still has to do with water. Uh, 48 across reef wrigglers. And the answer was eels. Okay. 52 across lakeside rentals, canoes. 66 across goes out like the tide, recedes. And then the last one, 49 across brand for water fun. C-do, S-E-A-D-O-O, which is like a type of pontoon boat or like, I guess, um, or like they make boats and stuff. Um, 
this is not this cannot be coincidental right this is like they a lifestyle choice this is a lifestyle choice in my personal they opinion. probably had a a couple yeah, they probably had a couple that were water related and then as the other one's like well we can use a water clue for this like let's just do it because that's like our secondary theme right well the b story if you will yeah i i had thought like i'd see the across answer for the first like god clue was poseidon and then it was like chum and net and i was like is this an ocean themed puzzle and then it became a greco-roman puzzle and i was like oh but why are there so many sea related <laughs> elements still anyway good stuff I, I love finding stuff like that i really i really do she really does um i'll end with a new yorker on july 20th by patrick barry do it um 20 across in quotes well that answer didn't make things any better sorry i asked <laughs> Um, 25 across, Sesame Street character based on Bella Lugosi's Dracula, The Count. The Count. kind of is both of our, I did Sesame Street and you did Bella Lugosi. Worlds so. collide on this podcast, I'll tell you what. Right. Um, 50 across, question upon entering a seemingly empty house. Anyone home? So when I was in Uruguay with my friends, we were visiting some of our old classmates, some really close friends of ours, and we rented a beach house uh, on one of the beaches there whatever mm -hmm. but one of our friends was so anxious that every time we would come home to the beach house if somebody was in the house and he had just watched a film where he learned a tactic where if you're going into an empty house you want to go in really quiet and you go ah! Ah! in every room to try and scare somebody and so he would every time we would get home he Wait, would just go but... through the house and go ah! As loud as possible. I'm doing it very low, but he would do it right, as loud like, as possible. <laughs> well, maybe that works, although I feel like they'd be able to hear you do The first like, time, right? <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. Hey, I take any tip and tips and tricks like that. Um, it didn't, didn't do anything for us because there was nobody there ever, at least nobody that we found, but... Well, that's what you want to happen, but better be safe than sorry. Exactly. Um, okay, three down. Gamblers cry while raking in chips, perhaps? Come to Papa. That'll be us when we're in Vegas. <laughs> and then the last one, this is just like a fun little trivia to know in case it comes up at a trivia question. Um, it's 43 down. Only first names shared by two consecutive U.S. presidents. James. James is the name of five U.S. presidents, but James K. Polk and James Buchanan were consecutive. James. Uh, James? What was that? <laughs> you had to be there. Right. So that's all I have. And by had to be there, you had to have been watching Wendy Williams fan edits on YouTube. Okay. Right. Or would you call them fan edits? I don't even know. Compilations. Compilations. Uh, but made by her fans, I'm sure. Because you have to right. be a fan to make these amazing Wendy, Il Wendy Williams edits on YouTube. Bravo. If you listen to us and you make those edits, I applaud you. Um, anyway, should we flip the coin? Because I don't have any yes. more puzzles. Amazing. Okay. I'm going to flip the coin now. It's Tails. Little me. Little old gray. I just heard a door creak in the distance. That's truly like city living. Sometimes you just hear like. <laughs> you just hear It was shit. literally like a haunted house sound of a door opening. And I'm just like, eh, probably just my neighbors. 
I heard another one of those big bangs yesterday. <gasps> the explosion? It was less aggressive than the explosion, but it literally sounded like a dead body hitting the floor. And I'm just like, there's like 200 pounds of dead weight, just boom. And you're like, either the building's coming down around me or someone's going to fall through these floors. Right. I'm just going to take the L at this point. Like, I don't know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Chelsea has a very mysterious double upstairs neighbor who Mm -hmm. (laughs) has weird noises coming from their apartment. It's true. And then didn't you go up there once with the plumber and it was like, there was like water all over the floor. <laughs> he was like, there's nothing going on here. Right. And he's like, oh, I was just, I was just wiping down the shower after I, I, I was in there. And it's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like with the towel wiping down the, I'm like, who does that? And the plumber, like after we left, the plumber's like, nobody does that. Nobody does that. And I'm like, okay, I'm not crazy, right? And these right? Chicago plumbers who are like 60-year-old like Polish, Polish men, men. who yeah. can barely speak English, but they've been plumbing their entire life. And they could they could figure out where a leak is just by sniffing the air. Like that kind right. of plumber. And they like don't take any BS. No. Like what your neighbor's trying to do. <laughs> Amazing. He's like, there's something weird about him. I'm like. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. It's like, he doesn't even know about the sounds, but (laughs) anyways, um, my topic comes from the July 19th New Yorker by Amy Lucido. 50 across, brothers known for their involvement at the OK Corral. It's the Earps brothers. The Earps. Holy hell, okay. So I'm going to talk about gunfight at the OK Corral. Have you, does this like ring a bell to you at all? Just like vaguely as like Americana something. You know, right. Same to me. I was like, I know it has something to do with the old West, but like, I don't know much more from that. But I do know, like, it rang a bell to me. So I'm going to talk about why you might know it and what the true story that it's based off. I know the name that I know is Wyatt Earp, but I don't know if that's a real person. That is. He's like the main character. All right. So it was October 26th, 1881. Everyone was getting ready for Halloween, potentially. I actually don't think Halloween was in the US at that time. But um, (laughs) check out my episode about. Halloween traditions and when they came over to the U.S. But um, a gunfire fight erupted in the town of Tombstone, (laughs) Arizona. The smoke cleared to reveal three men who had been shot dead. Right. Gunfight at the OK Corral may be one of the most famous shootouts from the (sighs) old Wild West. I've seen the film Tombstone. The the 1957 Western Gunfight at the OK Corral starring... (laughs) Burt Lancaster as Wyatt Earp and Kirk Douglas as Doc Holliday, and the 1993 movie Tombstone starring Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer in the same roles. Okay, okay. Right, oh! So exactly. Well, considering that there's, at, I mean, there's multiple films made about yes. this. Multiple media. I've seen both of these films, uh, actually. <laughs> revivals of the story. You may be surprised to hear that the fight lasted less than a minute. I got most of my information right. from an article on National Geographic called What Really Happened at the Gunfight at the OK Corral by Fernando Amazing. Martin. So. In 30 seconds. Right. I really want to know what really happened. Well, first happened. I want to talk also, about Western films for a second. Because that's like one of the reasons why your life this fight was so immortalized. And this, I started finding this after I had already done, like, most, all of my research for the actual gunfight. And... Western films in the U.S. is so interesting, um, like when they gain popularity, uh-huh. different little tidbits. So I'm only going to touch it a little bit. I might do this on a next on another topic, like if it comes up again, just saying. But 
basically after World mm-hmm. War II, Western films boomed in the U.S., like in the 50s, um, maybe as a yeah. way to pretend yeah, that life was simpler. There was good guys and there was bad guys. America was the greatest country in the world. There was an endless frontier of possibilities, literally and figuratively. The true heroes were the cowboys. But even like actually in the Wild West, cowboys mm-hmm. were known as kind of like the town drunks. They couldn't hold a job. They also weren't usually white Protestants, like not the way cowboys are depicted in Westerns. Another interesting tidbit on this line, uh, along this line, is John Wayne is like one of the most famous mm-hmm. actors from, you know, Western mm-hmm. movies. He always played like a war hero in the movies, but in real life, he dodged the yeah. draft. So, putting that out there. He shows up in crosswords a lot because didn't he play for USC football or UCLA football? Just like a side note. He that's like a tidbit of like trivia you might hear in a pub trivia or something. It's USC or US UCLA. But yeah, I have seen so many Westerns, Grace, because my grandfather was a huge right. Western guy, like huge Clint Eastwood, John Wayne, like and then my dad had that passion as well so right. i've seen more westerns well, my than you, like an average so american girl anymore. my when I was younger, we watched a lot of them and then seen. we went so. to like I, we had cousins in arizona in arizona <gasps> actually cute so we went there and we did um i don't think we went to tombstone but we went through um oh what's <gasps> it called it's like the something valley did you go but to it tombstone? has all of these famous like mesas and stuff that you see in western movies and it was like you know the john wayne cowboy boot like formation yeah i love love, like arizona topography it's so beautiful um but yeah right it wasn't like that i did not know that about you because i feel like you know i've seen we had been over our fathers having this love of westerns so okay western films basically portray american exceptionalism and it makes sense that then Western it, films it. also had like a resurgence after 9-11. I don't know if you remember that, but there was like a bunch of and and kind of now too, or recently there's that one with Haley Steinfeld. Um Yeah. Anyways, like I said, Western moves in the American landscape is a whole topic on its own. I only bring it up to explain why this yeah. 30 second fight became a legend, because it they made like multiple movies based on it. The characters are we'll see, like the story's very interesting. You could see why people made it into a movie. Um, but also why, if you do go to Tombstone, Arizona, you'll see that their tourism is basically based off of mm-hmm. this, like, 30-second gunfight, of course, as, you know, if you're, like, a small town and you have something like that happen, <laughs> you take advantage of it. I I was reading a Reddit thread about this fight, and someone was like, I grew up in Tombstone, Let's go to Arizona, Tombstone. Yes, Let's go to like, Tombstone. What else are we doing? <laughs> I mean, that's just what the whole town is about. Okay, so let's get into what really happened. Was it as simple as, like, the good guys versus the bad guys? Well, the fight did happen between two groups of people. I don't know exactly who was good and who was bad. Um, But there were two rival groups in Tombstone. One was led by Kansas lawman Wyatt Earp, which you know, and his brothers Virgil and Morgan, and their friend Doc Holliday, which, (laughs) right, it's like, I just knew that name, but I had no Mm. idea what it was from. Um. And the reason Doc why Holiday is a name I know well, too. We'll yes, that, but <clears throat> there was the other rival group. Like, who was are you? A band yeah. of outlaws called <laughs> the Cowboys. So in this case, the Cowboys were actually the bad guys. Okay. Okay. 
Okay. Um, among the Cowboys members were brothers Ike and Billy Clanton and brothers Tom and Frank McClory. Uh, from my understanding, the Cowboys was like a big group of, you know, people. It's kind of like all the outlaws in the town. But these brothers were the ones specifically involved in this fight. So before we get into their rivalry, let's talk about the town of Tombstone. Okay. Tombstone was founded a few years earlier by Ed Scheifelin, a former scout with the U.S. Army. In the 1870s, Scheifelin headed to Arizona Territory for mining prospects. That's why I was asking. Like Mining? Is this right? <laughs> Bung, the, the, the light bulb is off, goes off. <laughs> he was warned by soldiers that having chosen a spot in Apache Territory, he was more likely to find his own tombstone than precious metals. Are you kidding me? I love that that's the history of the name of this town. Right. Well... Scheifelin hit on a seam of silver in 1877, and he had a good sense of humor because he named the, like, silver mine Tombstone. Amazing. He's like, yeah, you're right. I guess I did find a tombstone. (laughs) A tombstone silver mine. So the silver brought an influx of people to the area. There was a settlement close by, and it took on the name Tombstone. By 1881, um, Tombstone had a population of more than 7,000 people and was thriving, but it had a notorious reputation for being rough and lawless. All this right. was a wild west. All right, everybody. So in come the Earps. The Earps were drawn to Tombstone by, you know, the promise of the Silver Rush, as mm-hmm. there were a lot mm-hmm. of people who settled there. Wyatt Earp was a police officer in Wichita and Dodge City, Kansas, before he moved to Tombstone in 1879. Gotta get out of Dodge. His- Sorry. Go ahead. Exactly. His brother Virgil was a miner and a soldier, um, followed him, and he eventually became Tombstone's town marshal in 1880. Amazing. Morgan was their youngest brother, and he joined his siblings, like, the following year. So, basically, all these brothers came over, and they all had, you know, important positions in the town. Shortly after the brothers got there, a man who Wyatt Earp had befriended in Dodge City, Doc Holliday, also joined them. So Doc Holliday was a former dentist from Georgia turned gambler and gunfighter. <laughs> so his real name is John Holliday, but I'm assuming because he was a former dentist, everyone called him Doc. Yeah, to be kidding me. Can you just call me Doc Rowan from now on? I ha- wasn't ever a doctor, but I'll take the name anyway. Right. It's one of my biggest regrets in life that i don't have a nickname that everyone calls me because at our work there's some people who have like nicknames and it's just what everyone calls them. i know i know but you know some sometimes g-top but it doesn't really i, I sometimes much. refer to you as legs to matt but i never say it to you in person <laughs> you know like right i mean you have cheese i know of course yeah <laughs> which um, has started okay. infiltrating my life in ways that i never could have imagined but it works it works so the Earp Holiday Group, they all had income that was related to, unrelated to law enforcement, because, sorry, Wyatt got a job as a police officer, too, when he came to okay. Tombstone, but they all had stakes in mines, they all had stakes in saloons, they would sometimes work as bartenders, private security, they were, like, all over this okay, breaking town. They were they were hustling. Right, and they're often depicted as the good guys in the adaptations of the, of the fight in films and stuff. Got it, but so remember, these are law their... enforcement, so. Right. Um, We'll kind of get into that. Well, not the law enforcement part, but just how they're really not that different from their rivals, who are the Cowboys. Right. Okay. um, The Clanton and the McClory brothers had a reputation as outlaws and were known to make their living thanks to cattle rustling, which is stealing cattle and Uh, selling it. Of course. So there was all these growing towns um, and there was beef shortages because there were all these people moving there and they need their beef. Of course. So there's plenty of money to be made if you are selling beef. 
these brothers would rustle cattle on both the sides, both sides of the U.S. and Mexico border. And the butchers in Tombstone didn't really care about where their meat came from. They were like, we just want to sell meat. And they especially didn't care if it was stolen from Mexico. This kind of has an interesting crossover with my deli topic, because this is around the time where delicatessens were becoming huge in on the East Coast. And they were mostly selling beef because like the cattle industry was booming at this time. Anyway, everything connects on this podcast. I'll tell you what. Right. It's crazy. Um, It's like the like the cinematic universe of the actual (laughs) world (laughs) i love it very good that's the only way i can conceptualize it um okay so supposedly the first source of tension between and i say supposedly because there's some other um theories but the first source of tension between the cowboys and the erps was over some stolen mules that the erps tracked down to the mcclory ranch because the erps were law enforcement so the McClurys were like, accused the Earps of acting for their own benefit instead of acting as law officers. Mm. So that was like, there was already tension between them because they also had businesses and, you know, it's like they were officers, but they also had businesses in the town too. Well, so it's like they were out there policing other people's businesses, but it's like, look at their businesses. Well, as we, we all know why cops came about, it was to protect private property of the wealthy. So, um. This is like the vibes. The vibes check out from, right? yeah. But Wyatt Earp had other enemies too, okay? He had a professional rivalry with a fellow politician, Johnny Bahan. Bahan. Ten months before the shootout, Bahan and Wyatt had both run for sheriff. Partway into the race, Bahan convinced Wyatt to pull out of the race, promising him the job of undersheriff in return. But after securing the office of county sheriff, Bahan went back on the deal and appointed another man to the position, and Wyatt was pissed. Amazing. And we'll uh, we'll get talk about Bayhan a little bit later. Okay. So, also at this time in 1881, like in October of 1881, when this fight happened, an ordinance was passed in Tombstone prohibiting the carrying of weapons in town. Interesting. One right. of our first gun regulation laws. Yes. Um, this riled the cowboys up because they were used to carrying their weapons wherever they pleased. But as town marshal, Virgil Earp was responsible for enforcing the law and wanted to disarm everyone. So there was a heated argument between Doc Holliday and Ike Clanton at the Alhambra Saloon on the night of October 25th. The fight was broken up, but Clanton, one of the cowboys, continued to drink until the morning, making threats against Holliday and the Earps, and he was supposedly armed with several guns. So Virgil came in, disarmed Ike, took him before the judge who imposed a fine on him, and then let him go. But Ike was pissed off, so he gathered a group of five cowboys, including his own brother, Billy, and the McClory brothers, and they all went to Fremont Street. They spread the word that they were armed and intended to remain so. So the sheriff, Bayon, met the cowboys and tried to talk them into surrendering their weapons, but he failed. Sources differ. Some say the cowboys either denied having guns or they refused to surrender them. Of course, it's like... There's no, I mean, no one was fully, like, taking videos or whatever. Right. So there's, this is all just by secondhand accounts. But then the Sheriff Bayon met with Virgil Earp, who then deputized his brothers and Doc Holliday. And the sheriff was like, don't do this, guys. Don't go after them. But the Earps, like, were like, no, we're going to, this is, like, personal. We're going to go get the guns from these guys. So they found the Clantons and the McClurys in a lot near the old Kindersley Corral. The OK Corral. So... It didn't actually happen in the OK right. Corral. It was just nearby. Yeah. Um, 
Shots erupted, but no one knows who fired first. Mm. That's the big secret. No one still knows. The fight was over as quickly as it began. It was literally 30 seconds long. Billy Clanton and Tom and Frank McClurry were dead. <gasps> Ike Clanton, the original guy who like had the problem, and the two and two other cowboys survived. On the Earp side, all survived, but only Wyatt remained unharmed. So that's also why he kind of specifically rose to fame as being this like hero. Like he didn't even get you shot. Know, yeah, shot. Under Tombstone law, policemen were in the right if they shot armed opponents threatening to kill. But after the shooting, Ike Clanton accused the Marshalls group of firing at five unarmed men. That's like the real question. We don't right. know if they were armed or unarmed. Right, right, right. Um, <clears throat> he accused them of that. And the, so the sheriff, Bayon, arrested the Earp brothers and Holiday, accusing them of murder. Um, but they had a trial that lasted a month. It was proven that two of the cowboys had been armed. Again, questionable. But the judge threw out the trial, but the lingering doubts about the Earps' true intentions that day would remain. <sighs> so, the shooting brought terrible consequences for both the Earps and the cowboys. Virgil Earp was eventually ambushed and shot in the back on his way home. And he survived, but he had, you know, serious injuries. In March of the following year, Morgan Earp, the youngest brother... Um, was killed. The assailants were un uh, unknown, but many believe the two Earps were gunned down as revenge for the events at the OK. Yeah. Shortly after these events, Wyatt Earp became a deputy U.S. Marshal. He deputized several men, including Doc Holliday, and set out on a vendetta against the men he believed responsible for killing his brother. Mm -hmm. Four cowboys, including one of Sheriff Bayon's aides, were killed. Bayon acquired an arrest warrant and pursued Wyatt and his men, but couldn't get them. So it was basically like, then Wyatt and his men came back for revenge. Then the sheriff was after them. But Wyatt eventually left Arizona Territory in April 1882. He moved around a little bit. He later settled in California with his partner, Josephine Marcus, who is Sheriff Bayon's ex-girlfriend. Are you kidding? The drama. Right. Imagine if this was happening today. The drama, like the hot takes on TikTok. You can't. Right. Well, Wyatt also, I read that he had had a common law wife when he lived in Tombstone, but that she was addicted to opiates and that when he left, he just left her there. You know? Holy hell. And then he ended up with Sheriff Bayon's ex. So why is nobody talking about uh, Wyatt Earp's <laughs> ex-wife, his common wife? law wife? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, the story of the OK Corral soon became part of the frontier myth. Which is like the frontier myth is part of why westerns are so yeah. popular. It's kind of like this very rosy. Go western, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the way that people look at it. It's kind of interesting. It reminded me of how like Victorians looked at the Middle Ages, and they were like, "Oh, people in Middle Ages were so barbaric and like uncultured, and they were living in the dark." When that really wasn't true, but people in the Victorian ages just needed that to feel better about themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The like the way Americans look at the wild west is similar but like a little reverse it's like they think it was you know it was way simpler right better it's just like that's the american dream america the american was. dream is built on like the go west young man like frontier right. myth i took a frontier literature class in college and we talked all about this but yeah like that's kind of how the american dream came about it's the frontier myth right 
Well, <clears throat> Wyatt Earp, you know, he lived a very colorful life. He was a lawman, a gambler, a miner, a saloon owner. So it made him, you know, a target for these anecdotes. He became extremely famous as this character, but he was always reluctant to discuss openly what happened during those fateful seconds in Tombstone. So it's like no one still knows who shot first. Wyatt, Wyatt, Wyatt. In 1931, two years after Wyatt's death, Stuart N. Lake, a former press aide to President Teddy Roosevelt, who you <laughs> kind of did a topic on yeah. when you talk about teddy bears, he published Wyatt Earp, Frontier Marshal, which was a biography that included a dramatic telling of the shootout at the OK Corral and other events in Wyatt's life. This book that was published two years after his death painted like a very nice picture of Wyatt and that was, that like cemented his story and then sure. a lot of the adaptations are based on that. Mm-hmm. But while this book painted a nice picture of him, it may not have been totally accurate. So one of Wyatt's biggest issues with the cowboys was that they were criminals and that they were cattle stealers. But Wyatt himself had a record before going to Tombstone. He had multiple arrest records for frequenting all the whorehouses. I don't know. All the articles kept calling him whorehouses. Brothels. brothels. (laughs) Yeah, right. So he had multiple records for frequenting brothels and also stealing horses. And he was a huge gambler. That's how he even met Doc Holliday. Yeah, yeah. So he was, the reason why he moved to Tombstone from Wichita was because he was fired from the Wichita police force because he beat up a political opponent of his boss. When he came to Tombstone, he became friends with the Republican mayor there. The Cowboys were on the Democrat side, so their rivalry was actually more political. And um, I'm, I wonder what time... I, I don't know when the parties flipped, but I'm curious to know right. what their actual political affiliations were at this time. We're talking true right. Republicans as we know them today, or were they more Democratic Republicans? I mean, it was totally different than what it is today, <laughs> yeah. but, but basically it was like, it wasn't just like good guys versus bad guys. It was political, which mm-hmm. is, you know, especially at that time, the lines aren't as clear cut. One article I read said public opinion after the shooting was on the side of the Cowboys. I don't know. You know, people were like, F the police the same way they are now. Yeah. Um, Wyatt went on to join the LAPD, where he also continued to gamble, visit brothels, and physically assault his rivals. All that to say is that, like, he wasn't, like, a law-abiding citizen either. He right. just was on the police force. Right. He was doing all these other things that he was, like, arresting people for. Right. Um, okay, this, I'm going to end with a quote from the... A quote about the biography that was written after his death by Teddy Roosevelt's aide. Okay. Quote, The book was extremely successful and elevated Earp to almost mythic status by simplifying the story. Lake made Wyatt the hero and the cowboys the villains. The truth, however, like the line dividing law and vengeance in those wilder times, is much blurrier. Mm. Question everyone. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting. That's fight at the OK Corral. I'm like, do I want to watch like a Western? I don't think I do, but... No, it's so... Like, sometimes those old black and white movies, I mean, they're just so yeah. slow. They're, and but there's newer there's newer westerns. There are, and there are westerns from, like, the 60s and the 70s that are in color, but uh, the messaging behind them is very much, like, pro-law enforcement in a way that's, like... Right, but I do think... Have there been some westerns that subverse that? Yes, for sure. Yeah. There definitely has. It's very been. interesting. It is. Interesting genre. It is an interesting genre. Um and like the scenery is just so beautiful. But I don't know if this is a fact or just something that I heard 
or read on Wikipedia like 10 years ago and maybe it was just like a lie. But a lot of like the westerns that like Clint Eastwood and like John Wayne filmed uh, like, like in the 50s through the 70s were filmed at a place like in the desert where they used to do nuclear testing. And so a lot of like crew members and cast members like got cancer because they filmed out there for so long. I don't know if this is true. So someone can fact check me, but that's something that I heard or read. Interesting. By the way, Monument Valley, that is the valley where it's all the like iconic. Uh, very good. Very good. Lesson. Yes. Just came to me. Yeah. When I was in. Um, um, where was I? New Mexico. New Mexico. It had that vibe. It was like. Right. The dude ranches, the mesas. It was just beautiful. I love that. And I love horses, too, I have to say. I so love a- when I was little, I really thought, well, I thought I was going to be a farmer, but I really wanted to be a cowgirl. That was like Amazing. my dream. You should go to a dude ranch. Trust me, I want. I'm thinking. I'm like, should I take adult horseback riding yes. lessons? I just, I just love horses so much. It's I'm, <laughs> a little hard to find in Chicago. Like, I'd have to it's drive true. kind of far to get there. It's but true. I'm sure there's stuff in Indiana. Yeah. Well, I there's a, an old coworker of ours has been posting on her Instagram about her horse riding in like the the park district, like the forest preserves. So I think you could probably find something. We'll talk about it later. Uh, yeah. My topic comes from the Friday, July 14th New Yorker by Andy Kravis. 14 across. Propel a penny farthing. Huh? And the answer is pedal. Do you know what a penny farthing is? No. You for sure do. You just don't know it by this name. Let's just, let's just hop into it. It's interesting because okay. this is like kind of happening at the same time as all the shit in Tombstone is happening. So just bear with me. Or rather the American frontier. Just all of that. Okay, the penny farthing, a.k.a. high wheel, high wheeler, or ordinary, is a early type of bicycle popularized in the 1870s and 1880s. So we're talking like that big wheeled bike. Right. Tiny wheel. Okay. It's known for its iconic shape. It has that large front wheel. Uh, And the penny farthing provided high speeds due to its traveling a large distance for every rotation of the wheel. Right? Um. The penny farthing eventually became obsolete in the 1880s, but why? Okay, we're going to get into the history, like a very brief history of, well, not brief history. We're going to get into history of like early two-wheeled vehicles, bicycles by another name, and then leading us into the penny farthing, okay? Have you ever been like a bike rider? I know you like to sometimes bike on the, like the, the bike trail. Yeah. Yes, but I'm not like a cyclist. Yeah. Matt isn't, like, a cyclist in the way that, like, you ride a bike and you have, like, the clothes and you have clip-in and all that stuff. But he used to bike 20 miles a day, like, for work. He'd bike. Right. It's, like, 11 miles down and 11 miles back, so 22 miles a day. And he, this guy would get home from his bikes, his bike rides, and he's just drenched in sweat because he is busting ass on the Lakeshore Trail. And I'm, like, could literally never be me. He's, like, why don't you ride your bike into work? I'm, like... I'm a sweater. Yeah, it's different when it's like, it depends what your job is. Like, are you, right. is it weird to be super sweaty at work? It's like when you have an office job, yes. It, and like, <laughs> it is very weird to be super sweaty at work. And like, it's hilarious because we do have a shower at work. Like, I could have shower, but like, showering at work? Are you kidding me? No, no. It's too personal. Remember the intern and that used to also- shower at work? <laughs> I remember some people like coming out of the shower and they would have like their towel over there. Yeah. You know, they'd come out with their hair wet and their towel over their shoulder. And I'm like, I feel like this is so weirdly intimate. Right. Like you took your clothes off at work. 
Right. And then remember that shower exploded. I remember that. Yeah. Right. Good times all around. Careful with that tempered glass, people. <laughs> You'll literally burst oh. into tiny shards one day. You can't make it up. You can't make it up. Anyway, I've always wanted to be a biker, but it just has never, it's never happened for me. But, you know, maybe I have a bike, so maybe I'll take it to the bike shop, get it tuned up. If you ever want to ride on the Lakeshore Path, let me know. But only let me know after I get my bike fixed up. Right. I love riding on the Lakeshore Path, except you have to go at the right time, because when it's busy, it's, I mean, it's terrifying. Oh, it's horrible. Like, dodging. Especially if you're on the Divi bikes, you can't go that fast. And Do you, have you tried the Divi bikes with the motor in them? No. That scares me. I know. I somebody whizzed past me on the street the other day, and I was like, I turned to Matt. I was like, they put motors in those things? He's like, they've had motors in them for years. I'm I like, just don't oh, think okay. you should be going that fast without a helmet. And most people who well, ride Divi bikes aren't wearing helmets. Exactly. I would never ride a Divi bike. I would never ride a bike without a helmet. I had a friend right. have a horrible bike accident because he fell off without a helmet. And yeah. he like stumbled into a store. He was bleeding and he was just incoherent. I thought he was drunk. They almost didn't like, like call. Like an Eric Andres. Exactly. They almost didn't call an ambulance for him because he was just so acting so mm. crazy. He's fine now. He survived, obviously. Well, I don't know if that was obvious. But anyway, let's talk about bikes, right? Right. Okay. So vehicles that have two wheels and require balancing by the rider date back to the 1700s. The first of its kind was created by the Comte de Sauvac in the 1790s. He was seen riding a two-wheel wooden horse in the gardens of the Palais Royal in Paris. We're in Paris, folks, yet again. This was called a cellophane. The machine had two rigidly mounted wheels so that it was incapable of being steered. Okay. To change direction, it was necessary to lift, drag, or jump the front wheel to one side. In 1793, the name was changed, changed to the Velocifier, and these machines became popular among the, what this article said, called the sporting set of Paris. Clubs were formed, races were held along the Champs-Élysées. Next came an invention by a German man named Karl von Dreis. In 1817, he devised a front wheel capable of being steered. He also gave it a pad padded saddle and an armrest in front, and there were no pedals. So, you know those training bikes that you see kids on where they can steer, right. but they're like their feet are on the ground? Yeah. That's what this was. This was for that first version. This was like the it thing of the time. Um, he patented his invention in 1818, and it was called the Velocipe Velociped. Uh, it was also known as the Hobby Horse, the Drazine, the Swift Walker, and a running machine. Just like, like because it had, like, a an armrest in the front, you could, like, lean low and just, like, run with this like thing. I feel like that sounds kind of nice. Right? You get in a workout, but you're moving faster than normal. Yeah. Fast forward to 1863. It was in 1863 in Paris, yet again, when pedals were first added to the riding machines and they were added to the front axle. So like to the front wheel, basically. Mm -hmm. um, the invention came from two men. It's unclear who exactly invented the addition of pedals, but it happened in Pierre Michaud's like lab or warehouse. But Pierre Lament was also active and a good inventor that was working there at the time so it could have been either of those two 
men who added the pedals, but either way. These were the first machines to be called bicycles, but they were also known as bone shakers because there was, like, literally no shock absorption. They were just, like, rattling as you're riding. Right. Um, these bicycles were then taken to the USA by Pierre Lament when he moved to New Haven, Connecticut, where he continued inventing bikes while he was living there, which is funny because I went to school in New Haven. I did not go to Yale, even though I should have just let you think that I did. Yeah, you went to a little school in New Haven. Yeah, just a tiny school there. Um, by 1869, in the United States, carriage builders, so people who were, like, making carriages to, like, be pulled by horses to get people around, were also making bicycles, okay? Um, riding schools were established, and cycling as a sport became super popular, especially among the students of Harvard and Yale. It was, like, a very, like, college thing to do. Um, but the fad was over nearly as soon as it began. Cycles were heavy and cumbersome. There was there was no cushioning, and the rider had to steer the pedal uh, and the like with the same front wheel. So your pedals were at the front wheel. So it's like you had to pedal and steer the front wheel at the same time. Uh, and riding a velocipede took a great deal of strength and coordination. Cities also began to pass ordinances against riding on pedestrian sidewalks. So like it was like this huge fad, but the bikes were like really heavy. It was difficult to steer them. It was not comfortable to ride them. Because there were so many people biking, cities were like, you cannot ride on the sidewalk because that's how you're going to hurt pedestrians. And it was just starting to become a mess. Mm -hmm. This was mostly in eastern cities, okay? So I don't think Wyatt Earp and his brothers in Tombstone had velocipedes or bicycles or anything like that. Imagine trying to ride one of these hobby horses down the dusty street the dusty main drag tombstone so in hopes of adding more stability inventor eugene meyer invented a new model of bicycle in 1869 meyer released the high wheeler bicycle designed and introduced with wire spoke tension wheels which are still the wheels that we use today so that was like the biggest part of this invention like obviously he invented the bike but the wheel has remained whereas the bike has not the most notable feature of this bike was the oversized front wheel, and they were called penny farthings or ordinaries. So this is the bike from the clue, right? The penny farthing bike. The name mm -hmm. penny farthing, I think this is so interesting. This is like another trivia thing you could just keep in the back of your, your mind. The name penny farthing comes from the British penny and the British farthing coins. The penny was much larger than the farthing. So if you looked at the profile of the bike... Oh. The bike resembles a larger penny, which is just the front wheel, leading a smaller farthing, the rear, rear wheel. I read that they weren't called penny farthings until, like, basically they were out of style. At the time when they were released, they were just called bicycles. And then mm -hmm. later on during their lifetime, they were called ordinaries because other bikes had been released called safety bikes. And so you would you'd be either driving a safety or you'd be driving an ordinary. And that's kind of like how... People could tell the difference. And then as they were going out of style, Penny Farthing became the name. And that's the name that kind of stuck. People tend to know these bikes as Penny Farthings. Right. Anyway, around the same time as Meyer's invention, an English inventor named James Starley began producing bicycles based on the French bone shaker, but with front wheels of increasing size. Because larger front wheels up to five feet in diameter enabled higher speeds. So, like, they were trying to, that's like... huge. That's massive. That's like my height. Right. 
In diameter, not circumference. Diameter. Wow. Wild. Imagine hoisting your ass up on a bike with a wheel that big. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I've actually seen people in Chicago with these gigantic wheeled bikes, like, you know, these hipsters. I'm like, that's so dangerous to be driving in the street. You're crazy. They're, w- they're wild. They're wild. <laughs> Imagine driving a car and driving past one of those. It's like, it's already so... You can only see their little legs. to drive by a bike. I know. I know. I get so stressed when I have to drive past a bike, a biker. Especially if there's no bike lane. But even when there right. is a bike lane, because some... <sighs> they like to ride on the... They ride on the edge close to the they street. They do. Cause... And a lot of people who are bike biking in the city do not understand the rules of the road. It's wild They understand. Me. They just don't Well, I care. feel like some people just must think that bikers are like pedestrians and have the right of way. It's like... You are a vehicle on the road. You need to stop at a stop sign. You need right. to, like, do your directional so people know if you're turning or not. You can't just weave in and out of cars. I see some of the craziest shit, and I'm like, Matt, who's a biker, I'm like, that was not how they were supposed to do that, right? He's like, that's correct. They should not have done that. And I'm like, but why did they do that? And he's like, well, either they know and they don't care or they have no idea. Usually the ones on the Divi bike... The people wearing wearing like their headphones, like their big headphones on a divvy bike, a divvy bike with no shirt and like, and no ha- and no helmet, and you're just like, right. and they're just running through stop signs, and you're like, maybe biking is not for you. Anyway, where where did I leave off? Oh, we're talking about seeing hipsters riding these damn penny farthings in the city. Like you guys are wild. Anyway, okay, so. We just talked about how James Starley started increasing the sizes of these wheels to be like five foot because the larger the wheel, the faster the speeds you could reach. Uh, The large wheel on the penny farthing was not only to give speed, but it also lent to a smoother ride. So it kind of like took away that like bone shaker quality that some of these smaller bikes used to have. Um, It became this type of bike became all the rage during the 1870s and 1880s so maybe i don't know maybe white Earp and doc holiday did ride a penny farthing who knows but they were probably just mm-hmm. on their horses um beginning in 1884 this is just like a fun fact an englishman named thomas stevens famously rode a high wheeler bike on a journey around the world that's wow. wild that's impressive um another notable feature of the penny farthing is not is that the rider sits high and nearly over the front axle. So, like, the way that the rider is positioned is basically over the front wheel. Which is crazy. This meant that when the wheel struck rocks or ruts, or if there were hard braking, the rider could be pitched forward off the bicycle head first. This was actually... And this bike is tall. This bike is tall. You're, like, at five feet up there. You're five feet up. <sighs> so, this was actually a quite common occurrence to kind of be pitched off the front of this bike. Uh, and caused sometimes fatal injuries. The penny farthing became known to be like one of the most dangerous bikes on the market. Riders coasting down hills often took their feet off the pedals and put them over the tops of the handlebars so that they could be pitched off feet first instead of head first. It's like, at that point, just get off the bike. Just maybe. what are you doing? And, like, Uh, every penny farthing I've seen looks so flimsy. Like, it looks like it's made out of a piece of string. Like, the metal of the bike is, like, as thick as my pinky (laughs) finger. Like, this thing looks, going down a hill, and I'm talking. It's a death trap. It's a death trap. And think about, like, the paving back then. 
Right. Cobblestone. Paving was is not good today. I can't imagine what it was like in the 1880s, whether it was still on cobblestone or you just had gravel or. You are. Asking for a fatal head injury. But hey, right. I mean, they came up with the feet first method. Feet first. <laughs> OK, the downfall, the penny farthing happened due to two new advancements in bicycles. The first was the chain drive, originally used on tricycles, but it allowed a gear ratio to be chosen independent of the wheel size. So this was like the first way that you could like choose what gear you're riding in on a bike, which is interesting. The second was the pneumatic bike tire, which allowed smaller wheels to provide a smoother ride. So you no longer needed this massive freaking <laughs> five foot wheel so that you weren't bone shaken down the road. You could have a small wheel. And then in 1885, Englishman John Starley perfected a safety bicycle design. So John Starley is the son of James Starley from earlier. Um, this new bicycle featured equal sized wheels and a chain drive. And that was essentially the end of the penny farthing. And that was basically when bicycles became what we know them to be today. Mm -hmm. In 1885, bikes really haven't changed much since then. Um, yeah. And that's bicycles, and that's the penny farthing. It's a very short topic, but I feel like I learned a lot. Yeah, I I don't know. It is kind of crazy to think, like, that bikes... I mean, I'm sure there have been a lot of advancements on bikes that we don't know because we're not into cycling or yeah. whatever, but it seems like the basic mechanics are, you know, what still exists today, which is kind of cool to think about. And, yeah, that is 1880. That is, like, around... I mean, when did Wyatt Earp die? I think you he said died in, in the 18. You said he died in 1930, but the fight was like in the 1880s. Right. So that's like, I mean, imagine what was going on at the time. And then Wyatt Earp and the cowboys are fighting and some guy rides by on his new Starling. <laughs> He's like, hey, check it out. <laughs> you don't get thrown over the front. Right. And then you have a guy on the other side of the street just pitched forward with his legs first off of his <laughs> penny farthing. That's wild to me. I you would, you could not, well, actually, you could probably pay me a lot of money and I would get on a penny farthing, but it would have to be a good chunk of money. It'd have to be like an, you know, a safe area where I could do it. I was just watching some movie or TV show where the character, like, he ended up being at this place and it was like, no, I need to go back to whatever. But there was no car. There was nothing to get there. So the only option was like an old fashioned bike and it was a penny farthing. <laughs> <And> so he... <laughs> He's riding it on, like, this country road until he finally is able to, like, ask someone for a car. What a nerd. I have no idea what it was from, but I do remember <laughs> that. I, Matt was telling me that he, <clears throat> where he grew up in Connecticut, there were people that would, like, on Sundays would get take out their penny farthings and, like, ride around, like, downtown. And I, would, I would never let a loved one get on a penny farthing, especially not if they're riding, like, long distances downtown. Right. And if, if they have to, if they are forced against their will to be on a penny farthing, they have to wear a helmet. If and, like, yeah, knee pads, elbow pads, I mean, the whole thing. The whole deal. We are not trying to get a TBI today, folks. Right. Or a broken spine. No, no, no. Mm -mm. I do want to go bike riding, well, though. Yeah. I got a bike shop around the corner from me. I can take it over there, <laughs> get it fixed up. I haven't ha had it out in, like, three years since before the pandemic, so... I wish I could ride an, a real bike on Lakeshore Path because I don't have a bike and I'm, I don't ride enough to buy one. But so I just use divvies. But divvy bikes are like tough. I mean, they're so yeah. heavy 
Well, they're not you, aerodynamic. If you want it's a really bike, embarrassing. there's a great, like, uh, it's called Bike Works. It's down on the south side, and they take bike donations. Like, you just donate bikes, and these bikes are really nice, and you can get them for, like, 100 bucks. Really nice bikes. I just don't know if that's worth it. I don't, because I, I cannot ride a bike in the city. I'm, like, so terrified of riding with cars and stuff. You have to ride I with only... somebody who's, like, yeah. Even still, like, I just, I don't want to do that. I only like to ride on Lakeshore Path, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So. Well, if you're ever, kind of if you're ever flush and you're feeling like you want to splurge on something, uh, I mean, the Bike BikeWorks is an incredible organization and they hire, um, like, you know, previously incarcerated people to work there and they fix up the bikes and it's amazing. And if you're in Chicago, would recommend BikeWorks, but that's where I got my bike from and it's this really cool blue bike hmm. and matt and i used to ride our bicycles to get groceries and i'm just like sweating fucking spinal fluid the whole <laughs> time and he's just like we and i'm like you gotta slow down mfr because right. i'm afraid and we're taking like back streets you know yeah it's like i'm just gonna ride on the sidewalk i don't care if i get a freaking <laughs> ticket plenty of people do it and they, they don't seem to care as long as it's not like a, you know, if there's not a lot of people walking. Yeah, you're not going to ride your bike through the, you. through the block party. Right. On Broadway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Broadway. All right. Well, um, that's our episode, y'all. Uh, hopefully Grace remembers this episode when Wednesday rolls around. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but thanks for listening. Sorry again for the big break. If you want to yell at us or if you just want to, you know, say... Hey. I understand. I also have pets. <laughs> then you can find us on Twitter at the Good Eve Girls. Or Instagram at the Good Evening Girls. Or TikTok at the Good Eve Girls. Come on down, say hey. We'll say hey back. Something like that. Um, and until next time, keep curious, as always, listeners. We'll catch you on the flip side. Oh, bye-bye. Bye. bye. bye.